Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, going to hook up with Marty Buran here in just a minute. We'll get his thoughts on everything that went down yesterday with the Sabres, Kyle Oposo. We'll see where this goes with the Sabres, the goaltending situation. That may be the next shoe to drop here. We don't know if they're going to make another move to get a backup goaltender, uh, what the situation is, if it's going to be Olmark going in. Tim Murray did say yesterday that he had a deal in place with a goalie, and it did not work out. And Zadkoff is the guy we talked with uh, Tim Murray, or, I'm sorry, with uh, Paul Hamilton, who said that uh, not too long ago here this morning. Now we're into the afternoon, and we got a couple hours left to continue to talk about the Sabres and how they're constructing their roster. And I just got a tweet a little while ago that said, why is Jimmy VC considered a top six? And the answer is because that's what Tim Murray said. I agree that you look at it and say, man, you expecting that much out of this kid? Well, he is four years older than guys who were drafted last week. But when you talk about a top six, the GM is the one who said that. So we'll see where he fits in. But right now, we know where Kyle Oposo fits in, and he's going to be moved right to the top of the line pretty much on this Sabres roster. And to join us to talk about it right now is Marty Biron on the AT&T Hotline. Hey, Marty, uh, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Are you What are you at, a horse show you said or something like that? I am. I drove uh, back from Toronto covering the free agent frenzy yesterday, and now I'm in Syracuse. My daughters are showing at a horse show here, so I'm enjoying the uh, sun and uh, the horse's smell and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate you taking uh, your time no out. Problem. Want, wanted to get your perspective on uh, Kyle Oposo. First of all, you know, Mar- Marty, you live here, you work here, you know how big of a day this is for this city, considering, you know, for so long how it wasn't a destination, and now suddenly it's becoming a destination for these top-end free agents. Absolutely. I think uh, if you look at uh, Kyle's comments, it didn't take long for him to want to come to Buffalo. And um, I played with Kyle also with the New York Islanders. And, and then when I moved on to the New York Rangers, and every year there was rumors that the Islanders were shopping Kyle Poso, that they were possibly afraid of him. And I remember, like, every year I'm like, I want him here. I want him with the New York Rangers. I think he is the type of player that you want on your team to win a championship. He makes everybody around him better. He works hard. He works the right way. He's in the gym. He takes care of himself. He's a physical body. He's, he's everything that you want in a player. Extremely smart on the ice. Um, I just, it, to me, Caliposo was at the top of the free agent list. I, I had him ahead of Steven Stamkos, not because I think he's better than Stamkos, but I thought at the price you can get Caliposo is going to be way cheaper than Steven Stamkos, and that's the type of player that I want on my team. So, I'm extremely pleased, happy, and I can't wait to see what the, uh, what the chemistry that he can find with some of those players at the top of the, uh, the lineup is going to be like. Marty, do we have any reason to know why the Islanders didn't even really consider keeping, it seems like, Oposo? Because they went out and got Andrew Ladd for almost the same money. It's not like Oposo cost $10 million a year, and here's a guy they really didn't even try to keep. Do we know why? I have no idea. I don't know what the Islanders were thinking. They lost Matt Martin, Franz Nielsen, and Kyle Oposo and replaced that with Andrew Ladd, which 
I, I, to me, that was the worst of all the long-term deals, the six- and seven-year deal that were given out yesterday. Andrew Ladd's contract was the worst to me. Uh, by far, I don't think that Andrew Ladd brings the physical nature that Foso brought. I don't think that Andrew Ladd brings the uh, skill and smarts that Franz Nielsen had. Um, he's obviously not a fort-line player, so he doesn't even compare to Matt Martin. So he doesn't fit any of what was successful on the Islanders for those three players. So um, I was puzzled by it. I, I you know, Calic Poso grew up in the organization with the New York Islanders alongside John Tavares, and I would have thought that that would have been a pair that would have kept coming up together for a long time. But uh, they decided to go in a different direction, and uh, it's the Sabres gain. It's the uh, Plain and simple. Marty Biron here on WGR with me. You can catch his work on the NHL Network on TSN and always here on WGR as well. The relationship that uh, Oposo has with Matt Molson may have been a factor in this. How important is that? Maybe even for Matt Molson, not just for Kyle Oposo going forward here. Well, it's extremely important. I mean, I remember uh, <laughs> going to, uh, to dinner after games on the island, and it was always the same group of guys. And, uh, and, and Matt and Kyle were pretty tight, and obviously uh, uh, I think anytime you have that familiarity with a player on a team, with a family on a team, with just not, not just a player but his wife and the kids, so that you can come in and your family has um, a resource, somebody to go to. I mean, um, as easy as when I got traded to the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, when Danny Briere signed with the Flyers, it was easy for him to uh, – uh, to come over because I had been there. I knew the area. I, I, it was easy for me to tell them, this is where you got to li- uh, go live and this is where your kids are going to go to school. And things like that that people don't think about. They think, well, all he has to do is find chemistry with uh, uh, with Jack Eichel or find chemistry with Ryan O'Reilly. Well, there's more to, to that when you move from cities or when you move from organizations. So uh, having somebody there that has been here for a while, uh, in Matt Molson, I think it's going to be extremely important. We saw how important Matt Molson was to Jack Eichel last year. I think that uh, that helped Jack along the way, and this is going to help uh, Kyle Poso uh, get familiarized with uh, with the Sabers and with the with the city of Buffalo. I want to ask you about what happened uh, around the NHL, but first, uh, one more on the Sabres here. It looks like Jimmy VC will be the next target for Tim Murray. They still have to get Rasmus Ristolainen wrapped up, but there's also some wild cards, and I think you could include Evander Kane and Tyler Ennis in that wild card. So where are we looking at the Sabres roster from here, Marty, as far as, as you can see the massaging that has to go on and figuring out, and maybe the expectations from here, even knowing that you have a couple of wild cards that you don't know how those situations are going to play out? I think Tyler Ennis is an extremely valuable wild card last year was a wasted year for him um and there was high expectation i remember the luncheon at the beginning of the season where rick generate said he thought it was going to be tyler ennis's best season his breakout year an all-star possible year um we all had high expectation and it was unfortunate that uh that he wasn't able to uh to play at the level he wanted when he did and uh, barely played so i'm looking at at seeing number 63 in your top six forward performing uh, at the level that we know he can. So, I mean, your, your top six is, is running up real, really nicely. Jimmy VC was going to be a top six forward in Nashville. That's what they offered them last year. They said, if you sing, sign with us, you'll be a top six in the playoffs right away. Um, so it's not just the Sabres thinking he would fit in the top six if he signed with the Buffalo Sabres. There was other organizations. So you know that the, 
uh, the spot is, is there for him. So alongside Reinhardt, Eichel, O'Reilly, uh, I mean, and now Poso, that gives you some heavyweight, some size, some speed, some skill, um, and that's what you want on your top two lines. So um, the, the roster is shaping up to be one that, uh, that can definitely do some damage. And I think we all know that the Sabres can play a, a well enough structure and can defend, uh, but it's scoring goals, right? That was the problem last year. Well, now you got the talent to be able to do so. We know Evander Kane uh, was in another situation that made headlines, and Tim Murray said he's not happy about it. How does He's in a tough spot here, isn't he, Marty? I mean, how does he proceed from here? They said they're going to let this thing play out, but there are rumblings that and uh, he could be trying to move him. In fact, George LaRock was on WGR a couple of days ago and said that he heard from an agent that the Sabres may be looking to move uh, Evander Kane. Are they in a really, really tough spot here with him? Yeah, they are in a tough spot. And obviously, uh, um, you know, it's always hard to talk about uh, players uh, on a personal level because um, you can criticize their play on the ice all you want. You can say, you know, they're not uh, given the effort or they don't have the skill or they're not paying to, they're not playing to the salary that they should get or whatnot. But when you start talking about off ice issues, uh, personal issues, character issues, maturity issues, that's really hard. And I think that's what is coming into play here. Um, you know, nothing against. Uh, you know, the organization to be able to try to uh, handle this this situation by uh, looking at the options. That's what you got to do as a general manager. You have to look at all your options. This is not the first time it's happened, uh, and it seems to be a pattern. And then you look at the past history, and, and obviously Tim Murray wanted Evander Kane here in Buffalo, and he targeted him, uh, bringing him over from Winnipeg. But now he, he's in a tough position, and, and he's doing all he can to look at the options. Are the options there for the team to get better and to move in the right direction by looking at trades or options or any other option that he has? Um, that's what he's got to look at. And it's, it's hard because you know there's not too many teams out there that are willing to take a player that's had off-ice issues. Um, there wasn't too many teams looking at Alexander Radulov and saying, oh, yeah, that would be a great option. The Montreal Canadiens thought it'd be a great option, and um, I think they uh, they're being criticized for that. So um, sometimes you uh, you take what you get and you move on from a from a bad situation. Uh, we'll have to see if that uh, if that is how the Sabers are going to handle that. Speaking of the Montreal Canadiens, what do you think of the PK Subban for Shea Weber deal? I didn't like it. I'll be honest with you. I think PK is the type of player that is going to be and he is already and will be. Um, a premium defenseman for this league, for uh, for the National Predators now, and um, and he is extremely popular in in Montreal with the fans, with the uh, organization. Um, I just think that one off year uh, where your star goaltender Carey Price was hurt all year, and then a downward spiral from there um, doesn't make a career. I think what PK's done, uh, yes, of the ice, he's a big big personality and. Uh, likes the social media and likes the attention, but he's not done anything bad. He's not uh, put himself in bad situation. Um, he's just he's a he's a very uh, exuberant young man, and that's the way it works. So um, I I like what he does on the ice, and I think that uh, it got blown out of the water. And um, I don't think that Shea Weber will bring the same buzz and the same jam that Piki Subban was going to bring. Shea Weber's a little bit more of a a steady guy, but uh, his contract, Shea Weber's contract, to, 
paying him uh, $7.5 million on the cap until he's 40 years old, um, that's going to come back to bite the Montreal Canadiens in the end. And then, of course, the big one that everyone really was a buzz about was Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. The the Peter Sorelli's really taken a lot of hits from social media, from the hockey world. Are you in that same camp to just kind of scratch your head and say, what were you thinking there? Absolutely. I mean, Taylor Hall is a stud. He's a stud player that was stuck in an organization that uh, was, was stuck in the mud. That basically, it was quicksand for Taylor Hall. It, it, could never just be given the tools to move forward. He's got unbelievable speed, unbelievable skill, but he didn't have any defensemen to give him the puck. And it was it became a, a part where you learn bad habits, you start cheating, but still the, the goods are there for Taylor Hall to be like Taylor Sagan because these two were attached at the hip from the, from the time they got drafted. So I, I see Taylor Hall being a stud in New Jersey. Um, I see Peter Shirelli really – causing more problems, more issues than, than uh, answers right now in Edmonton. The seven-year contract given to Milan Lucic is, to me, is baffling as well. Like, there's a guy that plays a hard game that's already got a lot of wear and tear in his body, and you're going to give him seven years. And three to four years from now, Milan Lucic is not going to be where he, uh, where he has been. So, uh, and Marty, at the same price, at the same price that the Sabres paid for Oposo. Oh, absolutely. That's unbelievable I mean, to me. That is unbelievable. I mean, Kyle Poso is so much better than Milan Lucic. David Back has got five years at $6 million in Boston, huh. and Kyle Poso is so much better than David Back. I mean, that's, that is why you have good value in players and you have terrible contracts out there, and that's what July 1 is all about. It's about teams making tons of mistakes and signing players to contracts that they'll regret in two, three years. Kyle Poso is 28 years old. After seven years, he'll be 35. He's still going to get another contract after that. You have no worries about what he's going to give you on the ice uh, and for the seven years. So to me, that, that Lucic is a problem. Bacchus was an issue. The trade of all was a problem for Edmonton. There's, there's a lot of question marks out there. Marty, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Enjoy, and good luck to uh, your girls out there at the horse show. And, of course, hockey season's right around the corner. Got the prospects coming out here on, what, in a week or so. It's going to be fun out there at First Niagara Center and everything that's going on in downtown Buffalo. Everybody's everybody's getting rejuvenated about hockey again in the city, and it's good to see, isn't it? Absolutely. I can't wait for the, uh, the, the development camp, the prospect camp. That's always fun to see who's coming up uh, for the next two, three, four, five years. And uh, and now everybody gets to enjoy a nice Fourth of July uh, uh, celebration in Buffalo, and we go back with uh, with the hockey after that. Happy belated Canada Day to today, uh, brother, as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's not so much Canada Day for me; it's Fridge and Frenzy Day. But, <laughs> there you uh, go. We, we still celebrate. That's right. That's right, Marty. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Awesome, Sal. Thanks. Okay, that is Marty Biron, and you can check his work on uh, TSN, NHL Network, of course, right here on WGR. Did you celebrate Canada Day yesterday in any way? Yeah, I was uh, here. That's how you celebrated. It is the best when Canada Day and the July 4th holiday fall on Friday, Monday, right? That's the best situation for all of us who live in this part of the country. That, and uh, we don't have to work on Monday. I, hey, I'm done anyway. I'm headed out. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. on, I'm well, on a plane for us. For us non-celebrities. Uh, well, yeah. th- th- well, he, I have to drive to Syracuse, where Marty is now, to actually get on my plane. Oh, you're just taking the, out of Syracuse. I'm taking. It's just the way it worked out with the flights and when we had to go and things like that. I couldn't get one out of Buffalo, so uh, for the tickets we had. So uh, long story, but yeah, we're actually had to get a drive overnight 
uh, tomorrow night after after the Bison's game. Actually, the BPO is playing at the Bison's game tomorrow night. Buffalo tomorrow Farm, night, yeah. Oh, nice. And then after that, headed out to Syracuse, getting on a plane, headed out to Oregon, flying into Portland, going to visit family. It's going to be fun. Going to be a nice week out there, you know. And uh, it's like it's going to be like eighty degrees, no humidity every day out there. Oh, really? No yeah. humidity? No, hardly any. Tomorrow is supposed to be beautiful here, eighty-eight degrees, but some. Well, I think we're getting more humidity, humidity though, coming yeah. up though. That's for sure. Yeah. So it's going to be just going to be fun. And who knows? We could have a lot more moves between now and then. Still a lot of rumors out there, you know, what the Sabres are going to, you know, uh, do as far as backup goalie, as far as what they're doing with Evander Kane. We don't really know. But we do have this, a breakdown of Oposo's contract. Uh, this is from John Warow of the Associated Press, so I'll, I'll just kind of read it to you. A breakdown of his contract here. The first two years, this year and next year, $8 million. The next three years, $6 million. The final two years... $4 million, which by then, Kyle Oposo, $4 million at the age of 32, that would be, I think. If I'm doing my math right, he's what? He just turned 27, I think? Just turned 28. 28, so he'll be 28 this year, 29, 30, 31, 32. At the age, it's when he gets from his 32 to 33-year-old age, he'll go from 6 mil to 4 mil for two years. And he could still very well be a very serviceable, valuable player at that point. That is not truly that old in this league. No, and I mean, especially for a guy who's realized that he needs to sort of move away from the physical part. Yes. He's, he's, tra- he's kind of, he's moving along with the game. He's he's not sticking like like we talked about Lucic. He's still kind of that player. He's transcended with the leagues as it's kind of been changing from a, a physical league to a more finesse and more skilled league. So and, and, and here's the other thing, and I have to look. I, I believe it's two more years where before you have to worry about Eichel and Reinhardt, and that's when the salary dips. There's no coincidence, right? To me, this is no coincidence how GM Tim Murray structured this deal. If you take a look at the numbers I just tweeted out at my Twitter, Sal Sports, from John Warow, the Associated Press, um, it may, may have been reported before, but John has it now on his Twitter that I first saw. It's no coincidence to me that you go from eight to six, the years that you have to start to think about what's going on with Reinhardt and Eichel and where their contracts are. So this is nice. I think this is a good way to structure it. Split it down the middle. It's a $6 million cap hit per year. The first half, six to eight. The next half, six to four. That's really where it goes to. And it's split right down the middle over those seven years. 803-0550, 888-550-0550. 803-0550-888-550-2550. Tom, thanks for the kind words, Tom. Great NHL talk today. He says, multi-talented sports broadcaster. Yeah, I love talking hockey. I don't get a lot of chances to do it because of my nature as the Bills reporter. And, you know, I'm on here on Saturdays. And a lot of times when I'm on Saturdays, we're talking Bills stuff. But I do enjoy talking hockey a lot. I love talking Buffalo Sabres. Hey, I always remind people of this. I grew up in this city. I went to the odd many, many times when I was a youngster. And it's fun for me to be engaged and involved in talking Buffalo Sabres hockey whenever that can be. And I love it. Just because I put on my hat as a Buffalo Bills reporter or sideline guy or whatever does not mean I lose that passion I have to talk about the Buffalo Sabres. So I appreciate that, Tom, uh, very much so. Also, Tom says, put it in order of importance. He says, VC, backup goalie, Fowler. I don't know if Fowler's still in the mix here. I think that's something that uh, might be too expensive at this point. You look at what some of the defensemen have been going for, whether that's in salary or assets that teams have been paying. And I think uh, maybe we'll see if Tim Murray is still in on something like that. We'll see where that goes. But he may be too expensive. I really think that the the next order of business for him is going to be Jimmy Vesey because it sounds like, it sounds like Tim Murray 
is on the verge of getting something done with Rasmus Ristolainen, even though he says, sure, anything could happen between now and then, and they want him long-term, they said. So we'll see where that goes. I actually want to find the soundbite if I can. Here we go. Here's, um, here's Tim Murray talking about Rasmus Ristolainen and his contract situation. His comparables are his comparables. So you have to pay a price, certainly, and uh, I hope there's no problems. I don't see any problems. Uh, he's going to get well paid, and we're going to be happy to do that. And hopefully we continue down the road of a long-term deal. That's where we're heading now. I mean, if there's a hiccup or a bump in the road, I guess we could talk about a bridge or something like that. But we've been talking a long-term deal, and it's just a process. So there's no timetable. And then uh, on top of that, one more here for you. We have had a couple of different conversations now with Rasmus's group, and I think they're going in the right direction. We don't have a contract done by any means, but both sides probably know where we're traveling to as far as a number and that type of thing. So, you know, they tell us that he really wants to be here, and certainly we want him to be here. So, you know, it's not going to be a, an easy thing to hammer out, and it's not going to be cheap, but young, good players, you tie them up and you keep going. And the number f- the numbers for Aristolainen are not really going to impact whether how you can structure VC's deal. I mean, that's just because VC's deal is going to be VC's deal no matter what. It doesn't matter what you do for Ristolainen. But I think the clarity point of it really does matter here. If you can focus on you know getting VC done, meeting with him, and then over here you got Risto, and that's kind of going the way you want it to, and you don't have to worry as much about it. It's just about getting a few other of the you know T's crossed and I's dotted and things like that. I think that's going to help Tim Murray in the long run. But I, I would say that for him, yes, they want to get Ristolainen done, but the more immediate importance for him, is Jimmy VC because they have until August 15th to sign Jimmy VC, or then he goes to the free agent market as well, essentially, and he can sign with any other team. The Sabres have exclusive negotiating power with him until August 15th, but I would think the Sabres want to get him done as soon as possible so they have some clarity on where their roster is. So Tim Murray can say, what do I do with Tyler Ennis? What do I do with Zemgis Gergensen? Are these guys that I need to move out to get something now because I had to take a look at where my forwards are and now I have maybe more forwards than I, abs- I, I, I need at this point and I can spin one for a defenseman? Maybe that's how he's thinking. So I do think that VC becomes more important as far as a timeline is concerned with Tim Murray. And he said he is going to meet with Jimmy VC's people and Jimmy VC, I should say, and his family next week. And as Paul Hamilton said to us when he was on, earlier this program that that meeting they are welcoming from Jimmy VC's side, whereas they maybe not have been wel- were welcoming early on in the process because they just said, we just want to go to be a free agent and we don't care about really where you're at. But now it seems like they're warming to the idea. I'm quite sure that Jack Eichel had a bit to do with that. I'm quite sure that the uh, acquisition of Kyle Oposo had something to do with that. So we'll see where that goes. We're going to talk about Jimmy VC when we come back. We're going to have Jake uh, I want to get his last name right. Meager. Jake Meager. I want to hope I say his name right. Now I'll ask him. He is a Harvard hockey beat writer for the Crimson. So Jake Meager is going to join us next. And we're going to talk about Jimmy VC and exactly what he brings to the Buffalo Sabres. Also want to see if he has any insight into some interesting stuff that seems to be at play with VC of why he may or may not want to play for his hometown team, the Boston Bruins, or even where his dad and his brother are in the organization of the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll ask him all of that when we come back. Big show today as far as hockey is concerned. Glad you're along with us. A lot going on here in Buffalo. The day after the Sabres signed Kyle Oposo, I'm Sal Capaccio, and we'll be back on WGR. I think that if we can get in front of somebody and have a chance to talk about the organization and ownership in the city, that only good things can come of it. So we're excited about going down and uh, having a chance to 
have a face-to-face chat and have a real good give and take with them. That's Tim Murray talking about Jimmy VC. They're going to meet with him next week. They have until August 15th to sign VC. They have the exclusive rights to do that. They can sign him after that, but after August 15th, he can sign anywhere else. My sense is Tim Murray wants to get this thing done uh, as soon as possible, so he has some clarity about what he wants to do with his roster going forward. Uh, before we talk with our guest about VC, Djokovic has lost. To an American. To, okay, so he's out. This is big news. Yeah, this is, he actually had a 30-match streak, which was, uh, I think, wow. third longest in men's uh, tennis uh, going in majors. So that's a huge upset early uh, early on in the tournament. What a weekend. The top free agent mm-hmm. in hockey chooses Buffalo, and Novak Djokovic goes down early the in Wimbledon. The world is turning. That's right. So there you go. What round is this, by the way, in Wimbledon? The second, I believe. Second, second or third. It's the first week. Wow, amazing. All right, Jake Meager. Am I saying that right, Jake? Am I saying your last name? Is it Meager? But no one's going to get it right on first try, so don't worry about it. What is it? Say it again. Uh, Mar, as in M-A-R. All right. Uh, uh, Migar. There you go. Thank you. All right. So, Jake, he is, uh, by the way, Jake joins us. He is the Harvard men's hockey beat writer for the Crimson out there in Harvard. You just heard what Tim Murray, the general manager of the Sabres, said about Jimmy Vc. They're going to meet with him uh, next week. But he said once, if they do sign him, He's a top six forward already in the NHL. Are we? Do you think Tim Murray's jumping the gun on that? Is he really that good? Is he ready to jump into that role at the highest of levels? I don't think it's too far fetched, to be honest. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, but yeah, I've had the chance to uh, to watch Jimmy play, watch him develop over the past couple of years. Uh, he's kind of grown into this sort of polished sharpshooter, someone that can really get a shot going no matter where he is on the ice, uh, whether he's in his own zone, the, uh, the other end, you know within seconds he's going to be able to get his opportunity. But at the same time, the guy's 6'3", 205, he's big, he's physical. Um, but, you know, he has the, the ability to dance around defenders like it's nothing, uh, a powerful shot. Uh, this guy really has uh, the tools to compete at any level and really could be a top six forward in just a couple months. When he went to Harvard, his first couple of years, obviously, you know, he was younger. He did not have the explosion as far as points are concerned until his last couple of years there. What was the difference in his game? Was it simply just getting older and getting better, or was there something that really happened with him, maybe his transformation as far as uh, body is concerned or anything like that? Yeah, I think it's tough to come in uh, as a freshman and be told or know that you're going to be one of the top uh, options on your team. He's been on the first line since the day he walked on campus, Uh, but Truthfully, the team was pretty pretty bad his first two years. They're uh, clogging up the rear in the conference, weren't winning many games. Um, but really the biggest thing for me that I noticed, I still remember uh, the first day of his junior year uh, when we went in to do some uh, preseason conference, uh, press conferences. Uh, he looked about 10 pounds uh, bigger uh, than he had been the uh, previous year. Uh, he just had uh, so much more muscle in this guy's going to do something next year. And, of course, you don't expect that he's going to go off, score 30 goals, and be in consideration for a Hovey. Um, but you just knew that he had put himself in a position uh, more so than his sophomore year to compete. One of my colleagues that I used to work with uh, at the paper wrote a story on him when he was a sophomore, and uh, Jimmy had talked about cutting out uh, soda out of his diet, um, had talked about just watching what he's eating. He dropped his uh, body fat percentage from like about 17 to 11 in one year. Um, I I can't speak to what those numbers were uh, his junior and senior year, but his body really grew into something that's going to be NHL ready pretty soon over the years, and I think that's been key to his success. 
so he is 6'1", 195. That's what he was listed, at least uh, at least on one of the uh, sites that I've gone to. So that's a pretty nice body size there. What kind of player is he, though? Does he use that body? Is he more of a speed guy? When we watch him play hockey, where, where do you see him fitting in in that type of situation and role? Yeah, so when he started out, he was pretty much an offensive finesse guy, the guy that's just going to play the wing, work around guys, and get his shot. Um, but since his body has grown over these past two years, he's kind of become a do-it-all guy, um, someone that can really play all uh, 200 feet of the ice. Uh, he's shown up on the penalty kill, been a mainstay there, really. Um, so he's been doing it all because of his body. He's a more physical player now. I think a lot of that came uh, with the fact that the team made him a captain uh, for his senior year. Uh, I think there was almost a and necessity for him to become more physical. He's the type of guy that's getting into uh, scruffles after the whistle, the guy that's not afraid to go into the uh, dirty areas of the ice uh, and do what he needs to do. Um, at the end of the day, where he has his success is as a, as a shooter, as a playmaker, um, but he's a guy that's not afraid to go um, into the dirty areas and make sure he's able to get plays going for everyone around him. Jake Meyer joining us here from the Crimson up in Harvard. He is the hockey beat writer. We're talking Jimmy VC. The Sabres trying to get in front of VC. They will get in front of VC next week. They have his rights to get him by August 15th. Otherwise, he will go to market. Now, there's been a lot of talk about him going to Boston back home, him going to Toronto where his both his brother is in the organization, his dad is a scout for the Maple Leafs, but there's been also a lot of rumors about why he doesn't want to stay in Boston. Have you heard anything on this of where Boston fits in, why he might or might not want to play for his hometown team? So it was interesting because all signs were pointing to Boston, and then right after he won the Hobie Baker this year, uh, his dad was the one that pretty much came out in the press conference and said, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea for him to go to Boston. It's too much pressure for a kid from around here. Um, so so who really knows? Um, to be honest, I'm just speculating at this point. Uh, my thinking is that Jimmy wants to go somewhere where uh, the kind of guarantee that Tim Murray made being a top six forward is legitimate. Um, and I know uh, when Nashville was still in consideration, uh, they they have a lot of talented forwards over there, and there was certainly an offer for Jimmy to go in and uh, produce right away or get in the lineup right away. Uh, but if he didn't produce in his first two years, who knows if he stays in the NHL. He might be going down to the lower levels and have to work his way back up. And I think uh, Jim something that he knows that uh, regardless of whether or not there's any growing pains in the beginning, he's in a safe spot. Um, and with Boston, not only does he have the hometown, the hometown uh, story going for him in the background, but uh, their forward core has seen better days. Um, they're a competitive team right now, but they can use all the help they can get on those second, third, even fourth lines. Uh, so if Jimmy were to go to Boston, uh, I think he would slot right in and would be in no danger of uh, falling out of the mix. And it's kind of a similar idea in Buffalo. I'm certainly not going to claim to know too much uh, about the Sabres lineup right now, but I know there's certainly room in there whether or not it stays in the top six throughout the year. Um, but it seems like no matter what, he's got a year um, if he were to go to Buffalo to develop, uh, find his game, and probably wouldn't have to worry all too much about falling out of the mix. And Jack Eichel, of course, is here, and we've heard and we've seen that they are very good friends. In fact, Jack said that he has spoken with them. They've been skating a lot uh, this summer. You have to think that that relationship plays into this in some way, shape, or form, right, Jake? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
it seems like Jack's kind of gone back and forth. He said uh, originally he'll definitely be doing some talking, and then he backed off a little bit a few days later saying, yeah, there's probably a lot of people in his year. I'll let him do his thing. But you know they have to have been at least, at the very least, exchanging some texts back and forth, um, getting the bug in his ear, telling him all about Buffalo, similar to what uh, uh, I'm sure his teammate uh, back at Harvard, now a senior, Sean Malone, who's a Buffalo draft pick, is probably doing the same. Um, but my my thinking of how this might shape out is that uh, Buffalo could grow into the role of a team that is almost the way Durant, uh, Kevin Durant's uh, free agency is being, being treated right now. OKC gets the first meeting, and then odds are he might get the last one. Buffalo is going to be able to get their, their pitch in. It's going to stay. I still think Jimmy might to go the free agency route, but when it's all said and done, uh, Buffalo is going to be in the mix. Uh, he might get the first and the last meeting with Buffalo, so to speak. Um, I think they're in a very good position, but uh, who knows the process might take a little longer than some in Buffalo might hope. You know, Jake, when people hear that his dad says, you know, I don't want my son necessarily playing in Boston because of the pressure, there, there's going to be some people who really view that as a negative and maybe a player like Jimmy can't handle that, whether that's true or not. So can you kind of tell us what it is like for a player from that area to actually play for the Boston Bruins? And is that really a concern that maybe, you know, you understand that Jimmy Vesey is, uh, he is competitive. He does want to be a, a star player, I'm sure, in this league. But maybe that's understandable that he wouldn't want to play there. Mm-hmm. I think it's the nature of uh, Boston sports media. Uh, basically, if you don't produce, uh, you're going to get thrown to the wolves right off the bat. Um, I know one example, he's got plenty of time to prove himself, uh, but Jimmy Hayes was a, a star Boston product uh, working his way up uh, in the college game and then made his way over to the Bruins this past year. Didn't really produce, and now he's kind of fallen a little bit out of favor among fans. Um, but I think it's it's got to be tough for a guy like Kibisi. Um He has a little bit of a different path than, uh, than Jack Eichel in the sense that when you play hockey at at Boston University, uh, Jack was put on a billboard pretty much the second that he got to school. Like, if you drive into campus at BU, uh, one of the first things you see is Jack's head hovering over the athletic complex. Uh, BU runs on hockey, but that's not really the case at Harvard. Um, sports are big. They have plenty of them at Harvard. Um, but the way fans or uh, students look at the games, it's not the same way. Uh, Jimmy can go to his classes without anyone even recognizing him, which is something that just wouldn't happen over at BU and BC. Um, so transitioning from that kind of environment to uh, Bruins where you can play two or three games, and if you haven't scored in one week, you're going to have people calling in to talk radio to bash why we went through a whole summer of Jimmy VC just for this. Um, it's got to be a tough adjustment period. Ultimately, I think he's capable of handling it. He was a captain this past year, kind of got a sense of how the media works, even though it's on a much lower scale at the college level. Um, but it would certainly be, I, at least in my opinion, a bigger adjustment to go to a huge market with so much pressure like Boston as opposed to kind of getting a new start out in somewhere like Buffalo. Jake Megar from the uh, Crimson, thank you very much for joining us. Do you guys take a shot every time you hear Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard when their game is on TV? Uh, Alex Kalorn's a big one. If you didn't know, he actually went to Harvard. I'm not sure if they told you on it. <laughs> That's another one, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Unbelievable. Hey, man. All right. Glad to have somebody much smarter than me and my producer on the program today. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. 
I produce. I, thank you for having me. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate that. Uh, Jake Megar, you can follow him on Twitter, by the way. M-E-A-G-H-E-R-T-H-C. Megar, the Harvard Crimson. There you go. THC Sports and the Crimson. Very nice. Very nice of him to join us. Very good insight into Jimmy VC, by the way. The only thing that I'll uh, say is when you look at the top six for the Sabres, it is shaping up where I don't know if VC is so much of a lock, but I understand. And part of the part of the thing is here when when Tim Murray says what last week, oh, he's a top six forward. You have to think that part of that is sending a message to Jimmy VC through the media. Oh, yeah, you come here. You're a top six forward. He's going to tell him all that. Now, once Jimmy VC gets here, he's still got to earn it. They're not just going to put him there. They may pencil him in, but he still has to play his way and prove it. And stay there. But you have to think that when Tim Murray says, oh, he's a top six forward. Just like when Tim Murray said about Steven Samkos, oh, he's a center. Part of that is posturing. Not saying that it's not true, but you want to let him know, that player, whether it's VC or Stamkos, you're getting what you want here. That's why you say what you say when you say it. But he's a really good player. And according to our guest we just had on, uh, he doesn't think it will be a hard transition. He said it's he absolutely can get into the top six on an NHL team. Now, maybe not on some other teams, but maybe here in Buffalo he can. But, man, this top six is shaping up pretty good. And, again, we still don't know the situation with Evander Kane. As of right now, of course, he's on the roster, and I'm not suggesting he won't be. But, of course, there is a legal situation going on with him, and there's a situation that Tim Murray has to deal with. We don't know how he's going to deal with that. We also have Tyler Ennis. I'll go back to what I said to open the program. VC. Ennis, Kane, the three wild cards on this roster right now. How all of their situations play out for all different various reasons, how all of their situations play out will really alter, could really alter the expectations we have of where this team is and where they're going. Just depending. If you have to, if you, if you don't have a Vander Kane, you don't get anything in return, that changes the equation on your forwards, no doubt. And if that happens and you don't get Jimmy Vc, for example, now you're really looking at a spot where it's not nearly as good as you thought. But if you get both of them and Evander Kane, you know, things happen where, hey, it's what he's accused of didn't happen or something like that. They move on from it and he's here and he's playing and he's part of the lineup on opening night and so is Jimmy Vc. and then Tyler Ennis recovers. I mean, there's just so many different situations here and scenarios you could think of. That's why I say they are the three wild cards. So my question to you. What are your expectations for this team right now after everything you've seen happen over the last 48 hours or so? 803-0550-888-552-550. Matt Collar is going to join me at 1 p.m. We'll talk with him about the Oposo signing. He was on the air yesterday right when all that was going down. But also with Matt, we'll talk about the free agents that are still out there, that are still available, that the Sabres might be able to target, and how he sees this roster construction going forward. Still a lot to get to here on Sports Talk Saturday. I'm Sal Capaccio. Nate Geary here with me as well. Thanks a lot for tuning in on WGR. All right, something's getting really annoying to me now. Besides Nate Geary, he's always annoying to me. Something else is getting really annoying to me here on Twitter. Yes, I understand, and I know we can all agree that NBA salaries are crazy when you compare them to other sports right now in, the, in football. Yeah, I get it. I know. Yep, it's You look at the numbers and say, oh my God, look how much this guy's making, look how much these NFL players are making, and best quarterbacks in the league aren't even making, they're making peanuts compared to what, well, who's just signed up? Mozgov and Con- what? When, uh, who's the guy that just signed the largest deal in NBA history? Mike, Mike Connolly Mike Jr. Connolly yep. Jr., yeah. So here it's simple economics 101. I know you want to complain about it and compare and whatever, but 
Here's why, all right? It's easy. First of all, there are 53 players on an NFL roster you have to pay. There are only 15 players on an NBA roster you have to pay. So you could say, well, yeah, but that shouldn't matter. Well, here's why it matters. The NBA, with all of their TV contracts and their money, skyrocketed recently, okay? And on top of that, the players get 50% of that revenue and all the other related basketball revenue. In the NBA, the CBA has stated players get 50% of all basketball-related revenue. That is TV contracts, signage, the, 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 jer- the jersey signs they're putting on, all that stuff they're doing. They get everything. They get 50% of that. Now, you take that, you divide that by all the teams in the league, 30, and then 15 for each guy. I mean, that's essentially what you're doing. Think about that for a second. In the NFL, they're close to 50. The CBA says NFL players get about 47 48% of the revenue. Yes, they have billion-dollar contracts, but then you have 32 teams and 53 guys on each roster. Okay, this is simple. It's easy why this happens, right? I'm just trying to point it out and explain it for those who don't seem to understand how it works. But that's why it works. So I guess what's the lesson? I don't know. Raise your kid to be a basketball player. If he's 6'9", he can do it, right? <laughs> I mean, I, what do you want me to tell you? I think it's just like the the names that are being associated with these crazy figures like Evan Fournier. Right. And I get like, it. Who? I, I get it. Like, to me, it's more crazy that the, 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 the what some people are overpaying for some of these players who just aren't that good. Right. right? But I know. I know. You look at, oh, Drew Brees, man. He's so good. Or Aaron Rodgers. He's not even making as much. I know. That's the way it goes. But think about the structure of the sports. On top of it, by the way, let's not forget, yes, football is the most physical sport by nature, no doubt. But they're 16 games. They play over 80 in the That's NBA. That's another good point to bring up, I mean, up, they, they, yeah. they, they play, plus on top of that, playoff games. If you average it out over the over how much money they make over game day checks, right, right. I bet you that yeah, evens things out quite yeah. a bit. And, and I'm, not, I'm not telling you football players don't deserve more or NBA players don't deserve less. I'm just trying to explain the economics of the situation here, all right? Let's try and learn something this week. Just like my two producers learned what a fortnight is over the last couple of days when I was hosting the John Murphy Show. Let's take a time out. Matt Collar on the way on WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.